Alright guys, welcome back to RTW's Wild History Ride. I'm Thomas. I'm Will. And I'm Rhonda. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about women in the workforce during World War II. But first, I want to say, like, comment, share, get get our name out there. And I, like I said last episode, or maybe it was the episode before. We've said it every episode. Yeah, I'm going to try and say it every episode. I agree. Uh, kidnap your friends, throw them in the car, get the ox cord, and just play us. Well, my and uh, let me just set the record straight before uh, Rhonda starts her story. I love the fact that we are now a women's rights podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly seems that way these days. Well, you know, if you if you give me a uh, topic or you say here, you know, pick something. I'm going to go that down that path. What I'm all for it. I have a lot of strong women in my life. Yeah. You included. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, with that being said, again, share. But uh, <laughs> let's get into this episode. Share. Okay. And as Thomas said, this is about women in the workforce or workplace during World War II. And I'm just calling this a Rosie the Riveter and then some, because there that. was definitely and then some. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So most people are familiar with Rosie the Riveter, the uh, iconic image of World War II, the young woman factory worker. She has on a blue shirt. She's flexing her muscles, our muscle, and she's standing in front of the words that says, we can do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys very remember familiar, that too. Very yes. familiar. Uh, our history teacher, that was one of her favorite images, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yep. And there's also that. a Norman Rockwell image of a young woman, uh, a little bit, uh, I guess, beefier, more muscular. And she is uh, dressed in her work clothes and her blue overalls. She's eating a sandwich and she's holding a rivet gun across her lap. So I don't. You guys may not remember that one quite as I, much. I remember that one. Remember well, that one? I will okay. say, you know, we had a uh, local. Uh, I think it's an auto body shop in town that used, I think, a Rosie the Riveter esque uh, picture for its like title. It's been a long time. I think it was more towards the downtown area. But I remember, like, it go. It spans a long time and a lot, a lot of years. Oh yeah, yeah. It's used in a lot of places. Okay. Well, moving on. Between 1942 and 1944, there was a big push to get women in the workforce. Obviously, the U.S. had uh, had gone into World War II. Men were joining in the military. Uh, they were leaving uh, their workplace, and someone had to fill those those slots, fill those places. So, some of the slogans are: uh, "The more women at work, the sooner we win." Uh, free up a man for fighting, those kind of things. And Rosie's image helped to bring an estimated 6 million women into the workforce during World War II. Wow. Yeah, between 1940 and 1945, women in the U.S. workforce increased from 27% to, to almost 37%. I was going to say, I had seen like a lot of uh, st- or some statistics that were saying how much that the women like had to move into. And it just goes to show, I'm like, you know, women were still fighting for their right to, you know, fight for their right to party, you know, at, at that time, I feel like. And it's just, it's cool to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and these women became uh, streetcar operators, taxi drivers, construction workers, steel workers. anything they need oh, to do. Yeah. yeah. Munitions workers, office workers, and just so much more. Any, any place they were needed they tried to fill yeah in uh, those years women in the defense industry produced three hundred thousand aircraft twelve thousand ships eighty six thousand tanks sixty four thousand landing craft along with millions of artillery pieces and small weapons uh one comment from a lockheed rivet riveter goes you come out to california come out to california put on your pants and took your lunch pail to a man's job so that's, you know, whatever you have to do, do it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. They had to provide for their families at that time. Absolutely. And because of gas and rubber rationing in the early 40s, passenger train traffic doubled. 
By war end, an estimated 116,000 women worked on the railroads. On the like, uh, so you know, it goes to show. So a lot of these things, I think, typically, well, I guess not maybe the factory work and everything, but a lot of these jobs were probably one of those things that you had to be trained for, like a lot of the time. And I'm just like, you know, I guess at the time it was considered that women weren't. Oh, you probably can't work in that job, you know, too advanced, too smart. I'm like, but look at them. They're working in droves and like yeah. turning out so many things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and obviously they did have to be trained for a lot of these jobs. And uh, not every man had gone off to war. People who had been there, uh, you know, in some of these industries were still there. You know, obviously older men who who couldn't go off to war or weren't needed because of their age or whatever. And so they were helping to train these women. But, uh, yeah, they they did learn a lot of skills. Uh, unfortunately, there was still a lot of discrimination. Uh, they weren't paid the same as men doing the same job. And uh, there was a lot of discrimination <clears throat> and also uh, some racial discrimination, too. It wasn't, I'm doing air quote, it wasn't all rosy as um, as we're talking Did through this. Wow. That, that was... <laughs> I know that was bad. I, like, I that think that's a good That one. was perfect for dad joke level. I oh, like it. Okay. I like it because wow. it's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, it wasn't all great. There was discrimination. I can't imagine the harassment, sexual harassment or whatever it may have been that went on that these women had to deal with. But, you know, they did their job, did whatever they had to do. I mean, they, you know, they may still have kids at home. Uh, you know, they had other they had things to do when they got home. Some women, you know, went in together, worked together. Tra- maybe one would do one shift, one would do another. Some someone was always there to take care of the kids. So they made it work. Hmm. Yep. And uh, moving on, federal government established the Women's Land Army, the WLA, which from 1943 to 1947 recruited and trained women to work on farms left untended when farm workers left for service in the armed services or left to work for higher paying factory jobs. Well, that's a lot of hard work because, I mean, if you think about it at the time, like they probably didn't they don't have the tools we have today. No, No, no. No, but more than a million women workers were recruited from high school students, bank tellers, you know, whatever. Uh, most weren't well paid earning an unskilled worker's wage, but they performed the, these jobs because they wanted to contribute to the war, war effort. Huh. So cool. a million women, yep, went out to work on the farms. That's really cool. That is cool. And around 350,000 women served in uniform at home and overseas, volunteering for the Women's Auxiliary Corps, the... Uh, Navy Women's Reserve, the Marine Corps Women's Reserve, Coast Guard Women's Reserve, Women's Air Force Service Pilots, Army Nurse Corps, and the Navy Nurse Corps. I'm not sure if I got everything, but I was trying to get as much in there as possible. Well, would that include things of like, you know, combat type of things? Or was that just, you know, helping Uh, from home type of thing? Most of those were home, like maybe taking administration jobs that men had left to go into the military, so they took those positions, cl- clerical, mm-hmm. that type mm-hmm. of thing. But that's not the case uh, in every situation. For example, the Women Armed Force Service Pilots, or WASP, were civilian women serving under military command. Their primary mission was ferrying planes from factory to air bases. These women flew 80% of all ferrying missions, delivering over 12,000 aircraft. They also towed, towed targets for live anti-aircraft artillery practice, simulated strafing missions, and transported cargo. Women flew almost every type of aircraft flown by the U.S. during the war. Uh, some men were reluctant, refl- re- sorry, reluctant. <laughs> reluctant, there we go, to fly a B-29 Superfortress 
General Hap Arnold recruited two WASP to fly the B-29s to Almogordo, where crowds waited to watch them land. From then on, male pilots didn't complain about being assigned to fly the B-29 Super Fortish. Well, you be... That's, that's the best way to get a guy to do something. Yeah. Is have yeah. a woman show him up. Well, yeah. His ego is going to be so bruised, he'll do anything you want. Well, and you know, I guess that's coming from me. I, I, I'm all... I'm surrounded by women who are... A lot Impressive. better at their jobs yeah. than I am, you know, and so they're some of my, you know, confidants and who I look to. So, I mean, don't be a, like a toxic yeah. masculinity type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Will, you were asking about uh, combat, that type thing. Uh, 38 WASP lost their lives in accidents. Uh, 11 died during training. 27 were killed on active duty missions. Oh, wow. Yeah. And women in the military took on, like I said before, clerical roles. They also served as truck drivers, radio operators, photographers, as well as uh, nursing jobs. Uh, as I said earlier, the motto was to free up a man to fight. Uh, some women became translators in uh, naval intelligence. Uh, one woman said, and I thought this was really crazy. It just makes you really wonder about what was going on back then. One woman said when she was inducted into naval intelligence, an admiral speaking to the assembled workers told them, if you talk about anything you do here, we can legally kill you. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. So like I said, we had no idea what kind of harassment these women may have gone through. And if you have these women in your family still, you know, they could probably tell you some very interesting stories if you just reach out to them. But I thought that was funny. That's very funny. Yeah, we could legally kill you. Well, and, you know, I've always wondered, too, uh, I I would love one of the episodes to be, we have talked about it before, like a spy, you know, episode or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always thought that women would make really good spies because typically, like, you wouldn't really consider, well, you would, I mean, I'm sure, but like. You've never heard of the honeypot? Well, see, look, that's what I want to learn about. Like, that that could be an episode. Like Matahari. Yep. Yep. Well, okay. Matahari, we're still honestly not sure if she was an actual spy or if she was just someone that stupid people told things to and she just didn't stop talking. Um, yeah, an opportunist. I'm not yeah. really sure. But yeah. I don't know. We could always do an episode, and find episode out. on that. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're going with the women empowerment. Why not? Yeah. Well, if we're already running on that, let's do it. Yep. And uh, <laughs> continuing on, uh, I was talking about discrimination. Now, there was an all-black, all-woman Battalion, it was the, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, 6888th Central Postal Directory Battalion. And they were sent to Birmingham, Birmingham, England, and then on to Rouen, France, to process huge backlogs of undelivered mail. So I don't know how close they would have gotten to the fighting, but definitely necessary. I mean, letters from home were much needed when you were there fighting in the trenches, I'm sure. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, much if morale's low, you're going to, everyone's going to suffer. Oh, oh yeah. 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 That's how you win a war is you make everybody hate it. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, back to your point uh, also, Will, about women in the front lines or near combat. Some women served near the front lines in the Army, uh, the Army Nurse Corps, where 16 were killed by enemy fire. And, of course, 68 Americans, and we've all probably heard about this, American service women were captured as prisoners of war in the Philippines. Mm. More than 1,600 nurse, nurses were decorated for bravery under fire in meritorious service and 565 WACs in the Pacific Theater won combat decorations. And nurses were in Normandy four days after the invasion began. Oh, my God. Could you imagine, like, that, the amount of, you know, speaking of, like, I see some crazy things. Like, I can only imagine what they probably saw back then. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. No. No, no, I don't either. 
And again, like I said, if you've got family members or a Rosie the Riveter in your family, talk to her. Learn her story. It's it's got to be interesting. I mean, my grandmother uh, was wasn't really a Rosie the Riveter, but she did work in a factory during the during the war. And you know, the kids were old enough; they were teenagers, so she could leave the farm and uh, go work in a factory for a while when she was needed. Oh, and then great, have more farm work and stuff after she got done. I'm like, that sounds amazing. No, yeah, put the kids work. to work. Oh, oh, true, true. That's the whole point of having kids. Get them to do your chores for you. Yep, I agree. I was like, we, uh, you know, and we were talking about this earlier too. I, I always love, you know, my one of my favorite movies is A League of Their Own. That's one of my absolute favorite movies. Um, I would love to do, because I think that was around the time like World War II and yeah. stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, they had the whole scene where Dottie, who is Gina Davis's character, you know, thinks that she's getting a, a like a letter from the um, uh, the army that her husband has died and stuff like that. And, she, you know, she's doing this whole thing. She was a farm girl, ended up going into this to kind of like make a new life for herself. And I think that stuff like that is so interesting to see how uh, women had to cope, honestly, with like their men being away and the newfound responsibility that they probably had at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, they took over... Uh the duties, things around the house that the men probably typically did, like, who knows, balancing the checkbook or something or doing maintenance on the house. They just had to step in, step up and do it. But uh, that's all I had for this episode. I hope everybody found it interesting. I certainly did. Well, I, I think did. it's, a, yeah, I, I love anything that has to do with uh, like history like that. Cause it, it just makes you realize how far you've come, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's always good to look back and see where we started and see where we are now. Yeah, I may want to reach back at some point and do women uh, who were in the service maybe during World War One, because okay. I did. I was watching something the other day about the Hello Girls, and I don't know if that's familiar with any of our listening audience. That but sounds I, familiar to me. Yeah, so I may research that, and okay. we may be hearing about that shortly. Yeah, I believe the next episode we'll record. Well, we'll have. We'll have another short episode like this one, and then we'll release a standard episode after that. And I believe the next standard episode that we have will be uh, one based on some historic slash pseudo-legendary Vikings. So we're going to go into that. My girl, Agatha? She'll be discussed. (laughs) But all right, guys. uh, That's our episode for this week. And uh, hope to catch you next time and share. We're in almost every continent now. Hello, France. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. almost. Uh, Check out our Twitter. I'll put it in the bio or in the uh, summary. It should be there. If it's not, I need to be informed and I'll try and fix it. But yeah, make comments on our Twitter. Yeah, make comments. And we'd love to hear... Uh, from you guys, if there's anything in particular you'd like us to do an episode on. Yeah. Yes. I definitely. mean, listen, I'm, I'm t- I love the uh, dichotomy. Like, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how all women were witches, and then now we're talking about them in the workforce. Yeah. I, think I, I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, guys. Uh, catch you next time. Right, bye, right, guys. Till next week.